1: Welcome to Commando On Demand Insider with Kim Commando, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and today you'll hear the story of how a bar worker and promoter named Stephen Walsh went from unemployed because of the pandemic to starting a trivia business that uses Zoom to make as much as thousands of dollars every single day. His story is fascinating. It's coming right up. And also, if you've ever wondered how data is generally collected and used for advertising, we have a specialist, an expert in the field, also going to tell us the difference between how small businesses market and how large businesses market and how small and mid-sized businesses can use data to advertise like Fortune 500 companies. Robert Brill, he's the CEO of Brill Media, will join us today. And Kim answers a question about how to set up teaching online. If you've ever wondered what the best platforms are and how all that does work, Kim has that for you. And by the way, this is not the nationally syndicated Kim Commando show on over 400 radio stations nationwide and worldwide on American Forces Radio. Uh, every ship at sea gets the Kim Commando show. The podcast version of the show is available at GetKim.com. And right now, you'll get a 30-day free trial if you use promo code Kim. So, again, go to GetKim.com, get on the Commando community so you can listen to the podcast and much more. Just use promo code Kim for your free 30-day trial. All right, getting started with Stephen Walsh from unemployed to making as much as thousands of dollars a day. In moments on Commando On Demand Insider.
3: Okay, here's a question for you. A lot of what we take for granted these days was discovered or created by accident. X-rays? X-rays? discovered by accident. Cornflakes? Well, they started out as bread dough that was left out too long and then baked. So which of these household staples was created by accident? Was it A, the ceiling fan, B, the microwave oven, C, the TV remote, or D, a vacuum cleaner? You see, questions like these are a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, I'm the answer to a question in the board game Trivial Pursuit. The question asks, who is known as America's digital goddess? Yep, that's me. When COVID-19 hit us hard and unexpectedly back in March, a lot of businesses had to pivot. Mine sure did, as it wasn't possible to do a global Bloomberg television show with social distancing in a television studio. And I'm sure your business, whether it's one that you own or work for, it seemingly changed overnight, too. But remember, the grass is always greener where you water it. And Stephen Walsh usually works in bars in Baltimore, where he likes to quiz people who are drinking. He likes to ask them about the show Friends. But the bars closed on, say, March 17th, thereabouts, and he launched a Zoom trivia game that he calls Walsh Trivia. Think of it like bar trivia night without the bar. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, First of all, what's the biggest surprise you've had since putting together Walsh Trivia? Uh,
4: I think I knew there was a demand there for it because bar trivia is so popular in the U.S. The thing that has really surprised me is that I've been getting teams from all around the world. And no matter where they're playing, they're really, really enjoying the game. So how does it
3: work? Take us from somebody just starting out and saying, I want to put together a trivia night. How do they do it?
4: So what I do is I run regular scheduled games that people can sign up for and play with their friends against other teams, or we can do private games and company games. But what they do is they register for the game and only the captain needs to sign up. Everyone else on the team is automatically under the captain's registration. And then on the day of the game, I send them a confirmation and some instructions on how to play very simple And then about 15 minutes before the game starts, I send them a Zoom link. And they are all able to watch and follow the game on Zoom. And then the captain submits the answers at the end of each round uh, via a very simple Google form. That's pretty innovative.
3: I mean, and you just came up with this all by
4: yourself? Yeah, I, I knew my job was going to be going away because I organize events for large groups of people, and that's not the industry you want to be in at the moment. So I figured I had to do something, and I've always enjoyed hosting trivia, and I tried to figure out how to do it online. And after some spectacular failures, trying to use Facebook Live and, and surveys and different things, um, my wife was able to help me kind of figure out how to use a combination of Zoom and and Google Docs and it's turned out to be really, really popular. So how many games a day are you hosting? I have hosted between two and six games every single day since this started. So I think tonight I will do four games and that will be my 59th day in a row. That's incredible. That's
3: really something. So you mentioned that you're hosting games all around the world. Tell us about some of the places.
4: Yeah, so um, between... Uh, between the regular games and the company games and everything, I think I'm up to about 60 different countries. What happened was right after it first launched, um, I had some friends who invited someone to play. Um, That person told their friend who was at the U.S. Embassy in Islamabad in Pakistan, and that person was like, we would love to play because we're all... Uh, we're quarantining here and there's not much to do. And he was able to invite all the other embassies and consulates. So now every Saturday I do games, um, which we call the worldwide game. We do two a day and then we announce a worldwide champion. Um, And my winners last week were in Congo, in uh, the Republic of Congo and My winners in Asia were in uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia.
3: (laughs) You know what? I love that. That's so amazing. How long are the games?
4: The games run uh, roughly one hour. It might run five minutes over if it's a very big crowd. But what we found after a while was that was the perfect amount of time where people, you have their attention for an hour. If it goes much beyond that, people just kind of get a little bored or they lose interest. So the game was designed to run exactly an hour.
3: And so how many people can join, partake in a game?
4: So I have had up to 350 people at once. um, But this weekend, I am doing a Harry Potter themed game. Not that I know anything about Harry Potter, but I recruited a few experts. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) Exactly. I recruited a few experts who really love my trivia, and they offered to write the game and they'll co-host. And I'm expecting that to have about 90 teams and I don't limit the team size, so I think we'll probably go over five hundred people on that one game. Wow, um, but if the technology was there, we could do a lot more. I'm just working with what I've been able to develop myself
3: so let's talk about the money. how much money how much does it cost say for a typical game and and how much are you making a day?
4: on the money side, I've decided that I want to have fun games with a lot of teams and as many people playing as possible. So I have kept it kind of affordable. What I do is I charge $3 for the captain and I charge $2 for every additional player on your team. And that way I have a lot of people who play every night of the week or mid three, four, five times a week. Uh, I charge a little more for the the theme games just because there's a little more work goes into them. but You know, if you add if you add up two dollars times hundreds of people, it's it's quite nice. But um, the potential, the sky is the limit because everybody who discovers the game loves it. It's just a matter of, um, you know, how do I target and reach more people?
3: Well, you know, you're reaching a lot of people here. So um, (laughs) watch out, baby. Um, So how do you collect the money?
4: So what I do, I set up a PayPal account and i set up a venmo account both for uh both for the trivia and i send out the link the day before the game um people pay before the game starts and then uh as with anyone who does entertainment i am willing to accept tips or if people think i joke i'm like if you think it was worth more than two dollars feel free to send a little more and so people have been doing that because um, the feedback on the games is, is phenomenal. People really enjoy it. Um, but I do love that we made it very affordable at a time when a lot of people's income isn't certain. You know,
3: it's it's fascinating. And, you know, obviously you have a passion for this and you love what you're doing and everybody loves you. Uh, give us an example of like a trivia question.
4: Um, so like a really good question that I like is something that can make you really think but is still gettable. If, if it doesn't fall into the category of, I know this, I should know this, or I don't know this, but it's interesting, then I won't use that question. Um, an example would be the most expensive piece of art ever sold at auction was by an artist from what country? So I didn't even need the artist. I just wanted the country. And the thing is, everybody can narrow it down. Everybody can narrow it down to you know Spain France Netherlands or or Italy maybe and maybe a couple other countries but do you know for sure and the correct answer was Leonardo da Vinci um so it's Italy but that's a question that even the best teams might be challenged and yet other teams have a chance so how do you
3: how do you time it so that somebody just can't Google the answer
4: so the game is played on the honor system and and a lot of people ask that the thing is we're doing it for entertainment and there is obviously a competitive edge but we're not doing prizes people are playing because they enjoy the game they like learning a, a bit I can tell honestly I can tell if I think people are cheating um, I've never. I've never had an issue with it to the point that it was really affecting the game. Some of the teams are just really good. And I also kind of challenge people, if you don't know an answer, have a guess. If you don't have a guess, write something funny. And a lot of the time, bothered and cheap, they'll focus their attention on trying to come up with a witty or clever response.
3: You know, that's funny. No, so there, you have an accent.
4: Where are you from? Born and raised in Cork in Ireland. And then I moved to America for college. Um, I went to Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, and I made my Baltimore my home now, so my wife and I live in uh, downtown baltimore that's
3: that's that 's wonderful that 's great so after everything goes back to normal, whatever the new normal is right we don 't know what that 's going to be. Are you going to go back to the bar
4: oh I, I i would love I would love to turn this into something that I can do full time and I think the potential is absolutely enormous. Um, What I've done, I've been doing games for private companies um, and organizations where the companies all work remotely anyway. So if you want to get a team together, but the team lives all around the country, how do you do that? So the way that a local office might have a happy hour, these people can have corporate gatherings, and I come in and run a game, and I've literally not had a single game yet that hasn't booked another one which is just amazing. And then there's a whole world out there of people who love trivia, who would love to go out, but they don't want to pay for a babysitter, or they might have health issues, or they might have limited mobility. So there is millions of people, literally millions of people, who may have found a new way of getting entertainment at an affordable price.
3: Well, Stephen, congratulations on your success. If somebody wants to check it out, what's the web
4: address? So they would find me, at dot com or WalshTrivia. It's my last name W A L S H. Uh, I'm at WalshTrivia on Facebook and Instagram, um, and they could, or they can email Stephen at WalshTrivia dot com.
3: Stephen, thanks again for joining us. Phenomenal story. Keep us posted of your success, okay?
4: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm very. Uh, I'm very excited to hopefully reach some new people, and I promise if they do sign up to play that I'll make sure it's a very entertaining hour.
3: (laughs) I, I know. I have a feeling that it will be. Thanks again, Stephen.
4: All right. Thanks so much, Kim. Have a good day.
3: So back to the trivia question that I asked before we spoke to Stephen. Do you remember A lot of what we take for granted was discovered by accident. And so which of these household staples was created by accident? Was it A, the ceiling fan, B, the microwave oven, C, the TV remote, or D, the vacuum cleaner? Are you ready? The answer is B, the microwave oven, a Raytheon engineer by the name of Percy Spencer was researching electromagnetic waves for the military when something strange happened. The candy bar in his pocket melted. So then he was able to recreate this with other foods, and then he patented the radar range in 1945. The first commercial version was sold to an Ohio restaurant in 1947 for $3,000. That a lot of money then. Well, today that's the equivalent of about $35,000. So
1: There's some money in trivia, as you can see. Hey, don't forget, if you've got a good question about something digital, you can get Kim's unbiased advice. And it's advice that you can trust. America's Digital Pro, Kim Commando, and our nationally syndicated radio show. You just go to commander.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, click on the Be a Caller button. We're going to ask you your name and for a couple of details about your question. And then Manny will get in touch with you. We'll set up a time where you can be on the show, ask your question on the show. It is fun. You can call your friends and let them know that you're going to be on the show. And that's, again, the Be a Caller button in the upper right at commando.com. Up next, if you've ever wondered how data is collected and used for advertising, we have an expert. His name is Robert Brill. He's the CEO of Brill Media. He's also going to talk about how small and mid-sized businesses can use data to advertise like Fortune 500 companies. That's next on Commando on Demand Insider.
3: Learn something new every day. I'll deliver technology right to your inbox. Sign up now at commando.com slash subscribe. All right, we all know that Amazon, Google, Facebook, and all the others, they track what we do online, where we go, what we buy, where we're located. And they do all this, they say, to service more personalized ads. Well, you know, if the ads are personalized, if they're targeted, the whole idea is that there's going to be a greater ROI for the advertiser. But here's the deal. People are getting fed up with all this tracking. As a matter of fact, there's a push for people to actually keep all their data and then sell their data to the tracking companies. And when I spoke to the gentleman who was behind all this, he told me that a family of four could earn about $20,000 a year by selling their data so that they could get more personalized advertisements. Because what do you do when you buy something online? Odds are you're probably using the same credit card because... Heck, it's a lot easier just to use the credit card that's saved in your browser. Or maybe you go between two or three at the most. Now, I want you to think about, just for a moment, how much data that credit card companies gather on you. And what exactly are they doing with all that data? And how can you use that data to your advantage? And joining us to talk about all of this is Robert Brill, uh, amazing guy, super smart, founder of Brill Media, and he's in the trenches. His company uses data from the likes of MasterCard and other sources to buy digital advertising for his clients. So Robert, thank you so much for joining us. First off, what do you think most people don't realize when they hand over their credit card online and all this tracking?
0: Thank you, Kim. You know, I think there's, there's so much tracking happening everywhere we go uh, both by based on the physical locations of where we are and our activities online that uh, we're leaving bits of a trail of information about us and our interests um, in every possible place, including how we use our credit cards, both online and offline. And so when I go to a retailer in person, sweat my card, that data is also used for ad tracking.
3: So we've always heard, Robert, that all this data is anonymized and that they're not going to be able to personally identify us. Is that true?
0: It is. And so, you know, I want to interject and say where we are in the ecosystem is we take the data that exists from other parties, including MasterCard and Oracle and Axiom and Nielsen, these big data companies, and we use them for ad targeting. We rely on the segments that they produce in order for us to deploy targeting. And we rely on their definitions of how the targeting is set up. And, yes, these are massive companies. They have to abide by the regulations and and the laws uh, locally and, and internationally. And these data segments are both anonymized and um, and probabilistic, meaning that in a lot of cases, I'm not targeting people who, uh, you know, for example, let's say Oreos. I want to target people who are buying Oreos at the supermarket last week. Well. I may not be able to target directly the individual who's targeting Oreos. I'm targeting a statistical probability of the types of people who are buying Oreos based on some data. And how that data is developed is that custom recipe defined by each of these data companies.
3: So let's go to the Oreo example. So let's say I am looking for a 40-year-old woman who has a, an annual income of, say, fifty sixty thousand $60,000 a year. Uh, she's got a couple of kids because they're the ones that are going to eat the Oreos and she's going to have one every once in a while. She's going to sneak one, but, um, and she probably lives in, I would say a middle level suburb. Would that be correct? And how many other data points could I go after?
0: You can go as broad or as narrow as you like. Um, so for example, I can target that woman with all of those filters plus um is the primary shopper for the household. I can target this woman who also might be or might not be a, membership, a member of a gym. I can go very granular with the person. So, and, and, you know, that's the fundamental value of advertising in 2020. It's much more specific and precision-oriented than it was even 15 years ago. And even today, television advertising, while still strong, is about a $70 billion business, um, digital advertising is a much bigger business because we can get a very precise in who we target and we don't have to waste dollars on maybe that 40-year-old woman with that fits all those parameters who so maybe might not be the right buyer of Oreos in this example.
3: Give me speaking of examples, give me an example of a campaign that you guys did that you were surprised, you were shocked, and it just you got you guys just knocked it out at the ballpark.
0: <laughs> so um and I'll, and I'll I'll talk in generalities because uh, we, we don't go into a lot of detail about who our clients are. We don't have permission to talk about our clients that way. But what I can tell you is that, you know, we're getting in, in one example, we're selling tickets to various events throughout the country, entertainment events. And now that's been kind of paused because of what's happening. But when we look at entertainment events, uh, we're getting in one instance a 57 return on ad spend, meaning that these these advertisers for one dollar delivered in sale in advertising, we're bringing them back fifty seven more dollars in sales to you know big name entertainment events, various concerts and 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 fun things like that where people gather in the stadium and watch someone perform on stage. So those types of those types of campaigns are really good and they do really well. Partially because we're targeting a very narrow audience, families. We're targeting fans of hip-hop music or rock music or fans of the p- p- specific performer. And the combination of ad targeting, algorithmic optimization, and our oversight of the campaigns is really what makes the campaign work.
3: So when we look at a campaign like this, <clears throat> these ads are over multiple platforms? Are you talking, uh, obviously, social media? Are you doing email uh, all the above, Google search, I mean, is do you just blast it all across or are there other are there venues, no pun intended for this entertainment company that seems to work better than other places?
0: Yeah, so let's let's go into that detail. You know, I think what most small and mid sized businesses don't realize is happening is that there are other tools that companies don't even like know exist. Some of these tools include Adele Fix. RTBIQ, Basis, the Trade Desk, BetaZoo, MediaMath. These companies that are powering advertising for the Fortune 500 brands, the largest brands in the world. And our job is to bring these tools to small and mid-sized businesses. So we deploy the advertising. A lot of what we do is, is with banner ads and native ads. And what's really interesting about banner ads specifically is that we have the ability to do dynamic creative, which means the ad you're going to get for this advertiser is going to be specific to your interests um, tied to specific performers. So, for example, if you like a specific hip-hop act, your ad ad that you're going to see is going to be for that specific hip-hop act because I know you have interest in that particular performer. If the person sitting next to you is really interested in rock, they're not going to see the hip-hop artist, they're going to see the rock artist. It's the same ad but different imagery, the same template, The different information delivered to you so that's the precision nature of advertising and then you take it a step further and we're doing that with facebook and instagram with snapchat um and a lot of platforms our job is to find the platforms that drive the most sales for for a specific brand at any given moment we are not we're agnostic I, i don't care if i run program you know if i run banner ads or native ads or facebook or instagram or snapchat i care that our campaign does the best for our client.
3: So when we start talking about retargeting, uh, I know that you know sometimes people will say, "Well, we're going to retarget for thirty days, sixty days, ninety days." Is there a particular point in time where you say, "Okay, either they're going to buy or they're not"?
0: Sure. So the answer to that is specific to the individual advertiser, and I actually think that the that mo- many advertisers, not most, but many advertisers, have the wrong perception of what that cutoff is. Um, there are some campaigns that we run where we talk about generating leads for something where it might take 60 days because it's a hard sell it might be like some weird healthcare thing and people just it's like people don't want to think about healthcare to begin with right so it's a harder sell so it takes more time for them to share their information once they feel comfortable with the company separately for something that people want a lot of you know a hip hop artist maybe the remarketing time frame is actually only 14 days not even 30 days so our job with the data is to really understand what the unique circumstances are for that particular advertiser, and it ranges dramatically.
3: You know, it's just fascinating to me that we can really zero in on who a particular buyer is. What do you do in the case if somebody wipes out their cookies or if they're going incognito and, you know, there there isn't necessarily the, the tracking that might be available for that person was not using a VPN? Is there a way to get around that?
0: I mean we look at context context is certainly an important part of our advertising uh, the makeup of the advertising that we run um contextual advertising is a couple different things it's for example if i'm a i'm a i'm a fan of the dodgers uh so if i'm reading about the dodgers on a on a page or a website dedicated to the los angeles dodgers then you can say you can you know something about me that i'm a fan of the dodgers uh you'll never see me on a page about football because I just, I don't follow football, NFL.
3: (laughs) It's okay. Me neither. (laughs) So
0: context is actually incredibly important and and helps us get around the the cookie issue. The other challenge, the other opportunity there is not only by the website or the type of site or the type of page, but also the keywords on the page. So for example, um, there might be an article in USA Today about Major League Baseball, specifically around the Dodgers. And maybe I want to target, that particular page not all of usa today and not all of usa today's sports just that one url that specifically talks about the dodgers so we look at both the url that we're on so the overall i guess the website and then also more broadly for more scale we look at the individual keywords on the page to understand what the page is about and we serve sort of ads that way and there are multiple partners that do that and we just point and click we set up some tests and we say okay which partner is delivering the best results for this particular campaign at this particular moment. So
3: are the, are the days of the banner ad dead? I mean, I don't remember the last time I've actually clicked a banner ad.
0: So this is an this is kind of like an age old concern or challenge. Um, a lot of our business actually relies on banner ads because we can do a lot more with banners and the costs are much lower and they perform exceptionally well. Um, that's not all, not every time. Right, The two places where we run the most ads are with banners, and then secondly, with Facebook slash Instagram. The reason banners are valuable is because there's a lot of ad inventory for banners, number one. Number two, there's a lot of great data that MasterCard or Visa or whatever audience data that we have. In fact, I estimate that in just one of the platforms that we use, there are over 500,000 different segments that we can target. That doesn't include all the contextual stuff. And then you have the dynamic creative you can do an infinite amount of creative iterations with banner ads and we get the highest return on ad spend when we have when we run banners and the other thing that to note here is that when you look at cannabis when you look at politics when you look at other types of advertising that might be restricted or heavily um, filtered on Facebook you can do a lot more of that with banner ads on specific sites that meet the minimum legal thresholds to run ads for, for those advertisers. There's a lot more flexibility with banners than there is with Facebook. And the last part of it is also, you know, Facebook is a fantastic platform today. Tomorrow it might be a different platform. We don't want to be tied to one platform. We're, in some respect, we're, we're an investment firm in that we want to di- diversify who we work with, how we work, and the platforms that are available to us.
3: Yeah, over on our website, and thanks for explaining that, Robert. Over on our website we do pre bidder heading. And uh I was talking to the gentleman who handles this account for us and he was telling me that, you know, basically because of COVID, that a lot of digital advertisers have pulled out. Um did you see that yourself?
0: Well, yeah. So um Advertisers are spooked, and I actually, you know, I, I, have a, I have a guide that speaks to how marketers can deploy advertising and marketing right now, but here's my general thesis on this. Now is the time to advertise and market your business, and there's a few reasons for that. Number one, advertisers are pulling out of advertising, which means that there is less demand for advertising space, while at the same time, there's much more supply of advertising space. Why? Because more people are online, they're spending more time at home, they're consuming Facebook and Instagram, and they're listening to your show, and they're on your website, and they're consuming ad space. So with with less demand and much more supply, the cost for advertising is dropping which means that $1 today will get you a lot farther than $1 in January when deployed for advertising. Now is the time. Millionaires are going to be made in this moment as we speak, people who are starting businesses, pivoting their business, and building their brand. In the next five or 10 years, we're going to hear about individuals and companies who took this moment and took massive market share because they capitalized on the opportunities that exist in the marketplace right
3: now. Well, thank you, Robert, for giving us an insider look on how data is being collected in ways that we may not have thought about it before to use it to promote our business and
1: our products. And appreciate you uh, joining us. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Kim.
1: Hey, if you love this digital stuff and you love to be on the cutting edge of what's going on, Sign up for Kim's Breaking Tech News. We've got security alerts. We've got data breaches and much more digital know-how. It's the free Commando newsletters. You can get yours, again, free at Commander.com, which is K-O-M-A-N-D-O. And on the top, click on the Get the Newsletters button, and you got them. Just ahead, Kim answers a question about how to get set up for teaching online. What are the best platforms, and how does that all work?
3: Art in San Antonio, Texas. Hi there,
2: Art. Hello, how are you doing?
3: I'm fantastic. What's going on?
2: Well, I'm a little bored right now, staying at home. I've only (laughs) seen my wife in the last uh, month, uh, and that's it.
3: (laughs) So I'm a little bored. You know what? Uh, We were talking at one one of the breaks that my floors at my house are the cleanest floors in the entire city of Phoenix.
2: Just letting you know right now. That keeps me a little bit occupied. But at any rate, I'd like to give you a little bit of background. Uh, There are over 1.3 million registered nurses in the United States today. And most states require completion of continuing education each year. And nurses are having difficulty these days in getting those continuing education programs. Most of them have been uh, face-to-face. But what I would like to do is provide online educational programs that nurses can complete, uh, continue education requirements either day or night or any time. But what I would need to do is send brochures, advertising brochures to their emails. Uh, companies can provide me the emails, but they're very, very expensive. I had one company uh, say that it would cost about twenty thousand dollars to get forty thousand email addresses. so my question to you is there a way to access these emails more economically than going through these different companies
3: okay what do you do now art
2: i am a director of research uh at fort sam houston an army facility and i do medical research
3: excellent okay so all right so this is your background i just want to make sure like we weren't like going like this looks like something I'd like to do, you know, because sometimes I get those phone calls. No,
2: no, I, okay. I, I have uh, presented continuing education programs uh, in the past, okay. but most excellent. of them have been face to face.
3: OK, excellent. All right. Um, first of all, I don't want you to buy those names. OK, good. <laughs> um, because I don't want you to be a spammer. OK. Um,
2: yes.
3: And the the open rate on newsletters. Have you ever been exposed to open rates on newsletters? Anything like uh, yes. Okay. anything. So the open rates on that is probably about, I'd say it's less than 3%, okay, that people will actually open it. And then you have a click to open rate, and that's people that actually open it, and then they're going to click. It's probably even smaller than that, okay? So we're just going to be throwing money away, which, you know, we don't want that to happen. Um, what I would recommend is that you get your courses in place, okay, whatever the courses are. And then okay. you start looking at buying... Uh, Facebook ads, because you can target down that you want to reach a nurse, somebody with a nursing degree between the ages of 30 and 55, whatever it is, what their income level is and how close they live by zip code. I mean, you can go down to the like the nanoparticles of all this. Okay. Okay. In addition to that, there are these places like Skillshare, Skillshare, Udemy and Linda. And that's where you could also post up your classes. Okay. Some teachers like on online are making over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh, okay. Uh, and the reason that you put your classes here is because they're already there. You know what I mean? Okay. That they already people are already going to these places for courses. They already know it. It's like if you build it, will they come? Maybe not. Let's go where they already are. All right. Okay, because it's a lot easier. And so you so look at Skillshare. You to me and Linda. And don't forget that um, with YouTube, you should have some classes or some teasers there as well, because Google is the number one search site on the globe. Number two is YouTube. So okay. let's utilize that and pick some common okay. classes that they have to take. Um, my sister is a CNO. So I'm kind of familiar with nursing. My niece is a nurse practitioner. And so okay. these are classes that I do know that they, they do need to take. Um, what happens at Skillshare and Udemy and Linda is that you get paid a percentage of the amount that you charge for the class. Okay. I see. Okay. And if you refer somebody to like take your class on Skillshare and they're not already on Skillshare, is that you also get a bounty for bringing that person there? So you get like ten dollars, twenty dollars a head. So I see. So okay. when you start looking at all these little tentacles. And that's what I've done with my business is that we're not solely dependent only on radio. Okay, we have digital revenues, advertising revenues in our newsletters, you know, and and products and clubs and memberships and things like that. So as you start building up this business, start thinking that in the center, you're going to have the classes and then you're going to have these spokes on the sides of different ways that you can make money. And with email, you're going to sign up with something like Constant Contact or MailChimp and so this way okay. you can start building your list legitimately okay okay and invite people on your facebook page and maybe even start if you start a nursing group on facebook you know do like a question of the day uh you know uh, something you know or even something funny about nurses you know you know if you too bad like you couldn't launch this on national nurses day which was last week right but there are some some really good ways that you can put together kind of almost a little bit of a business plan art. And then what I'd like you to do is to think about it. And then once you think about it, you're going to have questions. And then I want you to call me back. How did you find, how did you find my show, by the way?
2: Well, my wife is a fan, and every time I say anything or ask her anything, she says, well, uh, Kim says, so you're quoted constantly. And so uh, she converted me, and I listened to your show last week for the first time. I'm sorry to tell you that, but it was the first time, but she listens every week. Mm-hmm. And so that's
3: and your wife is a she, very smart woman, by the way.
2: She is. She is. Okay, very. So she said, you got to ask Kim. She will know.
3: Well, so do I know?
2: <laughs> yes, it sounds like you do.
3: Okay, good job. All right. So, Art, you write down some ideas on, a, on a, in a Word doc, Google doc, and then as you have questions as you move forward, just know you can always give me a call back. And uh, you need to buy that wife some flowers. I'd say diamonds, but we'll settle for flowers
1: thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You get these podcasts delivered to your device automatically every time. To do that, just go to your favorite podcast player, Android or Apple, and search for K-O-M-A-N-D-O. Once you find us, there's the Commando On Demand podcast. And then don't forget the Consumer Tech Update podcast, which is where you get all the latest news every Monday through Friday. And we thank you again. We'll see you next time on Commando On Demand.
3: Could the world's most popular drones made by DJI disappear from American skies? For obvious reasons, China and Chinese products are quite unpopular in America right now. It's no secret that for decades, China has stolen patented technology from American companies. Usually, nothing can be done about it. But an American company, Autel Robotics USA, is suing Chinese-owned drone manufacturer DJI claiming it stole Autel's designs for all five of DJI's Mavic drones, plus the Spark, Inspire, and Phantom. The U.S. International Trade Commission has already heard the case. They say Autel is right, and the importation and sales of all of these DJI drones should be halted. Naturally, DJI appealed, but this time, the battle is in American courts, and the smart money says that DJI will lose. I'm Kim Commando. When data breaches and scams happen, you need to know fast. That's why I send out breaking news alerts
1: you can get for free at commando.com slash subscribe.